she's on the inside. She got the scoop on the ones to watch, on the ones that's hot. No one can do it quite like Caroline. Caroline. No one can do it quite like Caroline. It's time for Caroline. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Hyper Caroline Hobby. I am your host, Caroline Hobby. I know music, I know people, and I know the questions you want to ask. So let's get hyper. Heads up, these are adults having adult conversations, so there could be adult content. You guys, I'm so excited. Autumn House is in the house. You guys, Autumn is one of the most influential women in country music. She works at UMG in A&R, which is basically an A&R person is one of the most crucial people at the label. They find new artists, they discover new talent, get them signed. They work with artists on the label. They listen to songs for them. They pitch songs with them. They have a close relationship with songwriters and publishers in town to hear the hottest hit song right when it's written to get it to the act, to the artist. It is such a creative and important job and Autumn has been doing it for 16 years. She is such a badass. Her story is amazing. I'm so excited. Here she is. Autumn House, the legend. <laughs> the legend. Does that make me sound old, maybe? You are a legend. Well, first off, you're royalty because you're born into it. Your dad's Jerry House. He's the voice of WSIX, the biggest radio show in Nashville forever. Mm-hmm. That's your father. So you grew up being around country music, being around artists, being in this industry. Mm-hmm. Did that make you want to run for the hills originally or stick around and do it? That's so funny you asked that way. Um, <laughs> I think like any child possibly uh, where you, you know, I always joke that I never found my dad funny because he was my dad. But and everyone else always, was always and tell me how funny he was and it was like, oh, he's not funny. And then of course as I got older I re- appreciated how funny he was and is and um, yeah, I went to college in Arizona and I thought I want to be in the entertainment business, probably not in radio, I want to leave Nashville, which is my hometown and go out west. And then I met a boy. Oh, those boys, man. I know. And the boy's gone, but I stayed in Nashville. And so the boy uh, brought you back to Nashville? The boy brought me back to Nashville. So we're thankful for that boy. Yes, in some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. <laughs> but um, yes, the boy's gone, and then I ended up just uh, laying on the couch for about three months. This was right after college, and my dad said, um, are you going to get a job? I want to get a job. And it occurred to me, wait, I'm in Nashville, and this town is amazing. And uh, you know, my dad was also a songwriter, so it was like, well, let me look into this, you know, music city, you know, just thriving of different opportunities. I started out in management. Oh, how was management? Quickly decided that probably wasn't going to be my thing. What um, was the turning point? <laughs> well, uh, I worked for Mares Nanis, and Stan Mares was my boss and mentor, who I just adore. Um, he had Katie Oslin, Donna Summer. David Lee Murphy, Mindy McCready, and Lori Morgan. That's so it was a great a pretty lineup. full roster, and this is, of course, early ni- or mid-90s. And eclectic, too. Um, yeah, and uh, somebody had FedExed a duck, a live duck, to Lori Morgan. And someone, what did they want to do with the duck? And the poor thing came like a FedEx. It was in a crate. It had been FedEx, and it was just covered in feces. It was oh awful. So anyway, gosh. and they handed it off to me, the new girl, like, here, take care of this. And it was like... Is this like normal? Is this what happens in management? I really don't think I want to take care of, you know. So anyway, I got so took the duck to a farm. Duck is fine, <laughs> and, um, and I just thought this is not my thing. So then I found um, a publishing job, and hence that's where I ended okay. up. Okay, so and were you like a song plugger originally? Uh, I was an admin, which I feel like every A&R so person should Break start in the ad, the administration division of a publishing company. So it was Reba McIntyre's publishing company, and. Um, 
I just ended up helping the guy that did all the paperwork. It was filing all the copyrights with the copyright office, processing demos and paying musicians. And we had 18 songwriters, so there was a lot of turnover. In the 90s, wow. we were just songs were flying up the charts and coming down. So we were continually releasing songs and having demo sessions, and it was a different time. And, um, and to all those listening at home, a demo session oh, is yeah. So in order for the song to make the album, it's a very long process for right. a song to actually be on an album. Right. And a song is written in the songwriting session and then it's made into a demo, which is just like, pretty much you hire great musicians to bring the song that you wrote, bring it to life. Sure. And so that's, you're listening to demos all the time, but then they actually go beyond that and get cut in a studio with a producer. Exactly. So it's kind of like a template for what you want it to sound like that then Today, flash, fast, fasting forward to my <laughs> life in A&R now, is that I listen to those demos and see if it fits the artist that I'm listening for. And, um, and then the producer will, some say copy, uh, some sort of uh, say they tweak it to make it sound or fit the artist that they're recording the music for. But um, back in the 90s in the demo process, that was, uh, we do it much differently now. But at the time, it was very standard to have five songs in a demo session. and and uh, we did those daily. So, so differently now because so many people are producing their own demos? They or? writers produce their own demos, yeah. Or they're track guys that are just yeah. doing tracks in their bedrooms and having co-writers write lyrics if they don't write lyrics. And it's really cut those, you know, the middle guy out quite a bit in the, in the session world in town. Which the is, demo session players. Yeah, yeah. sad. You know, it's hard. It's a harder business than it used to be. Okay, so I'm going to ask you so, a few yeah. questions. So just tell me some rapid kind of fire. On there, no, no, yeah. no. Okay. Rapid fire. It's the first thing that comes to mind when I say this. Oh, God. Radio. My father. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. I probably Voice can't. of radio. No, yeah, not associate the two. <laughs> um, what about yeah. country music? Love. 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 Um, happiness. Oh, my family. And you have two twins. I have twins, yeah. Oh. Yeah, boy, girl. Holland and Willa. So yeah. I'm going to talk all about work, yeah. career, being a career mother. Yeah. Um, celebrity crush. Hmm. Oh, gosh, give me a minute. <laughs> I've drawn a blank. It's one of those. I just saw a picture of Ben Affleck recently, and I kind of thought. He's looking good. I kind of would like to hang out with him. He seems. Yeah. You know, I probably wouldn't have said that a few years ago, but I don't know why. Something piqued my interest about him I feel like he's turning recently. over a new leaf. I know. Kind of, huh. I don't know, got a little rugged thing going on there. I like Ben, I've always liked Ben Affleck. Yeah. Armageddon. I don't know. That oh, was yeah. it for me. Yeah. I don't know. Weird answer probably. My husband would be like, really, Ben Affleck? <laughs> People are like, that's not who I would pick for I you. Know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. Okay, and then if you weren't in the music industry, what would you do? Oh, probably something in entertainment, but I would love to be a writer for a sitcom. Really? I know. What kind of sitcom? Um, fan of The Office, you know, stuff like that, sort of situational, so is that your humor? funny. Yeah. I, yeah. I just thought it was so clever. I'm not that clever by any means, but I just think that humor just would be so fun. It would just be really like the Mindy, Mindy Kaling kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. I thought that'd be fun. I always thought I'd end up in L.A. Like I said, the boy brought me back here, but, um, but I thought if I went to L.A. and that was the plan, I was going to try to weasel my way into that sitcom world. I love that. Yeah. Or hosting. You'd be a great host. Well, you know, I interviewed with Barbara Walters. Stop. I it. know. Well, I was also homecoming queen, so let's talk about that first. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course you yeah. are. <laughs> but I did when they were um, You interviewed with Barbara Who was gone to Matinopolis on the View for a job? For a job. Yeah, they had let her go, and then they did an open calling for people to 
interview across across the nation to interview with you know Barbara so explain to me what that meeting was oh like. my gosh uh, she her office was so high up I'd never seen we were like above the clouds so you're like waving in the uh, air? we were yeah I mean there were like clouds going by her office yeah and you could kind of feel the breeze oh gosh and all these little women kind of like that devil wears Prada where the women are just coming in and out and she never made all con contact so with she's them like at serious all. business I was just very and she said do this you know one of these and I kind of sat on the edge of my seat and she was very sweet, very gracious, very what charming. What was that interview like? Um, I was so ner nervous that I didn't even know really what I said. What did she ask you? Um, oh, God, I can't remember now. But remember her asking me something that would shock people. What is it about you that would shock people? What oh is it? God. I didn't even know at the time. <laughs> I think I made it up. It was like, you're Barbara Walters. I'm talking, you know, even certain. I had a pretty charmed life. Nothing would be that. <laughs> you know, although I was arrested in college a few times, but few times I know I didn't think of that at the time. I probably should have said that a few, not just I one. Fake IDs. Can't come back for more. You can't go to Arizona State without a fake ID. Oh and so yeah, I got arrested. Did you go to those. jail? Oh yeah. You have spent a night in the. You know, but it's like that little college jail that just you know they kind of sober you up and give you. That's kind of cool that you've been in jail though. I know, a, few, a few times. You're spent so thug. I know, right? Yeah. Wall Street. You are so street. Yeah. <laughs> the best so part of that story cool. though is that. Um, that you're sitting face-to-face -face with Barbara name? Walters. Oh, you know, Diane Sawyer. Sawyer. Oh, yeah. Walk, favorite, walked by and So you're voice. talking to Barbara and here comes Diane. I was waiting outside Barbara's office and Diane Sawyer walked by and she was like, hello, with that voice that's just like butter. And I was like, oh my God, hi. Oh my God. So Diane was this Sawyer. before you did A&R and all of that? This is before A&R, uh, A yeah. I had just left uh, Reba McIntyre to work for Madonna at Maverick Music, and so I was. Did you know Maverick. Madonna? I met Madonna. She wouldn't know me if I fell on her now, but. <sighs> what was that like working for her company? Um, we were kind of a renegade company of publishers that Guy O'Siri, who's been her longtime business partner, decided to open up in Nashville. Okay. So Whitney I Dane. that opened up in Nashville. Who Whitney, does Cobalt now, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Whitney opened it, and um, we just sort of siphoned off a budget out of LA to sign writers and just it was so fun but they did fly us out for the Christmas party and I joke that um, being in the room with Madonna was like looking at the sun I mean it was sort of like <laughs> I can't make eye contact. So you can't look right? Yeah like do you know who you are? You're Madonna. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so she got I think she called me Amber too so I just went with it. Yeah, I mean you gotta say yes yeah. right? Yeah sure it's Amber. Amber. Happy to be here. Madonna. <laughs> Madonna. <Whatever. laughs> okay. Yeah so oh that my was my God. brush with Madonna. Yeah. Wow, you got. I know. A, a, I know. Your A and R life is so cool, but pre A and R life, like write all this stuff down. Yes. So I remember all the cool. Things you do have to write a memoir. Yeah. Because okay, so now we're gonna get into A and R, which is okay. to me the most important job in the music business. It's where it begins. It is because yeah. it's all about the song, and I love. I was a song plugger for a couple of years, and I'd pitch songs yes. to you. I always love coming to you because you really truly listen to everything, and like you give it a very open ear and I feel like A&R is it's such an artistry in itself because it's all about your ear like people are coming in and pitching you songs which means they're playing you songs from their writers like mm -hmm. whether they work at a publishing company or whether they're artists themselves they're handing you these songs and you listen to them and decide if you're gonna pass them on like you're the gatekeeper in mm -hmm. a lot of ways to like is that song gonna make it to a producer is it gonna make it to a manager to an artist to mm -hmm. be heard to possibly make an album and I told you this when we started. You're the first person that impacted me, really, when I came to Nashville. I heard you speak Not at Belmont. Buying it. Not buying it. When I went to Belmont, I was <laughs> in school, and you came and gave a seminar, and you're like, if you have a backup plan, you got to get out of this business. It's not for you. God, I sounded so smart. I'm not even sure. <laughs> uh, and it's probably still true today, although I did think about that later when you mentioned that, and I thought, 
what would have possessed me to say that? I think, you know, I think you're trying to like... 12 years later, I don't really know. I mean, now I think there's so many different ways to make a career in the business. But you um, kind of have to go all in with the but music But you got to go all in. It's, it's a hard business. I mean, certainly the rejection level is pretty Ugh. high, and you're going to get it a thousand all different time. times. Yeah. And I get it just in the A&R perspective in that the songs that I pitch, I want Keith Urban to respect me. It's still mine. You know, I'm pitching those songs, in my opinion, um, to him. And so, I, you, you know, that's, that's a reputation that I have to preserve. Yeah. So I want him so to... So break that down to me. Start with the beginning. Like, a song walks into your office from a song plugger. Yep. Tell me about the process of listening to songs and then how it actually makes its way to an artist like Keith Urban. Well, Because you uh, work at UMG, which there's tons of amazing artists there. Yep, we have a huge roster, um, all of your favorites. Exactly, um, truly. The demos, I probably have about four or five song meetings a day, so song pluggers representing different catalogs of music and songwriters come in. So how many songs <coughs> are you listening to from each person? They, everyone's kind of gotten it down to a science now. It's about five or six songs, eight the most. Mm. But hopefully just five, because um, I had that all day. Never mind all the songs that come in that are just emailed to me daily. But um, so you're listening to what 50 songs a day at least? Probably, yeah. And then a um, day. But you know, listen, I'm not going through the whole song. You pretty much know in a first verse. So maybe know just based on groove. Like mm, Keith doesn't want. Could be tempo. Keith wants only. So you know tempo. exactly what he's looking for. Hopefully. What happens if a song walks in that knocks your socks off? That's not what they're looking for. I send it. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes they get mad at me and sometimes they don't. Most of the time they don't. You use your judgment. If it's so good to you, you're like, I've You got to hear this. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this, people walk in, play you five, five I listen to those months. songs. Probably the, for out of all those songs in a song meeting, I'm probably going to like maybe two a day. a day. So maybe two maybe. a day. Two's pretty good. And then yeah. try to send those to who I think it's appropriate for. So if Luke is listening or Dirks is li listening or Keith, um, I'll just figure out if it fits any of them and send it. Um, when I first started 17 years ago. Um, <laughs> AR, you've been A&R for 17 years. Can you years. believe that? It's which amazing. is like a miracle in itself. That's, but, um, that's cred to how badass you are. Oh my goodness, or just I've been hiding. And nobody <laughs> knows I'm still there. <laughs> Whatever. Um, <clears throat> but I, um, well, I always joke that uh, the difference between me and A&R and publishers was that I had their home address. I can mail them the music now in this day and age. Everyone has everyone's email address. Mm -hmm. So I'm pitching the song. The same song could be sent from another publisher directly to Keith. So we're all just trying to get there first. I, I'm a glorified song plugger. I want songs cut mm -hmm. um, for my resume, you know, and I want them for that relationship that I have with the song plugger. Totally. You know, I want them to bring me the best songs. So do you have so. close relationships with song pluggers? I try to, yeah. Yeah, do you, you kind of have, do you form natural, like just, a, not, I've been here so long, favorites? I think, just in general, I think in life in general, I, you know, I want to be friends and I want to mm -hmm. be friendly and it's a very friendly business if you want it to be. Mm -hmm. So for the people that come in, we talk about our lives and our families and what's going on and then we talk about work and business and so I think because of that, you're going to foster a relationship that they're going to want to bring you those songs or their yeah. artists first. So um, hopefully that's working in my favor. I don't know. What is it like working with artists? Do you have different relationships with these artists? Do you ha Does each artist have a different way they like to receive songs or like is there a way to maneuver it where you feel like this would be a more effective way to send it at this time in this way? Always. I think it's just based on personality. It's kind of like an art form. It is. We're just knowing their, yeah, wh who, how they like to listen, when they want to hear how it. How do some people like to Don't listen? Don't send them too many songs. Right. It's all based in <clears throat> how long you're listening. So if they're going to cut in October and they started listening in April, 
What is the timing of that to make sure they're not sitting, the song's not sitting in their inbox too long? Right. Do you kind of want to send it towards the cut date? Like, say they're cutting in October? Um, possibly, but then the publisher may not want to wait that long. You know, they all want to get the song cut as quickly as possible. I feel like people always love a fresh song. So, I like, did my water. Oh, yeah. You have a. Um, right there. Oh, there it is. Thank you. So, you have like a. You have a. A span where people are cutting, but I feel like people always like hear the flashing one at the end and like go in and they'll have like their whole album done, and then here comes one song like the week of cutting, and everything gets changed. Well, flashing back to my meager beginnings in publishing, we I really felt protected the copyright. So an artist would write the song, um, Heads Carolina, Tails California. Oh, Jody Messina <gasps> was that one of our game changed my life. Huge song, and I think we pitched that. Is that I didn't her pitch first it. single? One of the first. <coughs> that was on that first. What was the first? No. Oh, I'm all right. It was a. I think, wait, what's the one with you putting your I'm foot to the pedal and the? I think it's Heads Carolina. It, she, that was in her original launch. I can see her dancing in the video. Yes. With the bell-bottom pants. Oh yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She was so well, hot when she came out. I was going to say, I think the art of protecting that song and getting it to the right place was much more important than it is now because of the revenue stream has changed so dramatically. I know. That it therefore has made. We just need to get it cut. Right. So if X is cutting it before even Luke Bryan, we they definitely would love a Luke Bryan cut. But right. My battle is to make sure that it doesn't go to X before it goes to Luke Bryan. Okay, because sometimes even the songwriter or the publisher is like, listen, what if Luke doesn't end up cutting it, but this person wants it, who's not as big as <laughs> Luke, so we're going to take the gamble and just go with them. But you're like saying, let's hang on for Luke. They own the song, so right. they can ultimately make that decision. Um, but I'm... I don't get in too many fights that way because we have so many heavy hitters on our roster with Luke and Lady A and Keith and Urban, uh, Derek Bentley. I mean, the list goes on and on. That yeah. They usually come to us first, but there are still huge artists at other labels, the Kenny Chesneys and the Tim McGraws. Mm -hmm. and the, You know, those are the big copyrights. So, um, Is it competitive in the A&R world? Um, oh, oh, yeah. I mean, there's probably <laughs> monthly a song that I think, oh, has Miranda Lambert let that go yet? Because if she's not going to cut it, I want it. I mean, yeah, because you want that. It. Staying on top of it all the time. Do you know the hot songs around town that are on hold? Those songs go out so fast, and they usually go on hold so fast. And when I say go out, is that the plugger has sent that? I'm in the inbox. It's like going. It's going out. to everybody in A and R across the city. So when a plugger gets a gym, who opens it first? Who pitches it first? So you know your song pluggers who have <coughs> the goldmine writers. And when they send you a song, are you opening it like right then, as fast as I you can? I try to. I got one over the weekend, actually. Okay. And we've had a lot of cuts together, and I thought, mm, I better stop everything I'm doing. It was my kid's birthday party, and I thought, don't want to miss this. I'm like, oh, this could be something. Yeah. yeah. I put it on hold. I was, and then I, I was, I was sitting at a stop sign and going to the grocery store, and I thought, I'm listen real quick. Yep. Oh. It was on hold. Yeah. And sent it right there at the stop oh sign to Keith. So I haven't heard if you heard it yet, but how do you know who you want to send it to? Like, what if it could kind of go for a couple artists? Um, I think, I think they actually said play this for Keith. They do try to cast. Okay. So they thought it was best for Keith. Um, if I thought it was better for Luke, I would at least email the publisher back and say, let me play this for Luke first. Okay. And Luke probably is cutting first, so I think they would appreciate that. Um, but in this case, I sent it to Keith. So. Oh my gosh. We'll see. And he's always great about getting back to me. He's just um, great in everything a, in life, isn't he? He really is. He just wins. He's just so sweet and so cheerful every time he responds. You know, sometimes you just get like pass. I think, oh, at least put a smiley face I or know. something. <laughs> but I loved it. <laughs> oh, because yeah. it kind of becomes your baby in a way. Oh, uh, there was a few, recently Eric Paslay was looking for songs, and he said, "Send me all the songs 
that you have loved that you can't get cut? And I thought, well, therein lies maybe the problem with these songs is that no one else likes them but me. So uh, there's like a whole like, you know, file folder of songs that I love that no one else seems to love. And then I sent them to Eric, and of course he didn't like any of them either. So <laughs> someone's gonna love them. Someone's gonna love those songs. I'm gonna get those cut. You gotta hang on to them, if like I the can. files, the autumn files. Well, I think it's like any time you listen to a song that resonates with you, somehow those songs resonate to me, and they don't resonate to anyone else. But maybe they tell don't. me your style, your A and R style, because I'm sure it's like an artist. You know, as an A and R person who's running a big operation here, picking out songs for artists, obviously you have your own touch. What is your style? What do you look for in a song? What do you have to have? What do you have to feel to I, say that song's going on hold? Anything that just stops you in your tracks like anything. I mean, don't you feel like sometimes there's so many great ones like you can't they're filter all, them? I always, they're, they're, we never hear a bad song. Yeah. Never. They're always, because these are top of the line songwriters so in town. So how can you filter them out? Like well, this one's there's just the one that rises above the rest, right? It just does? It's usually because of melody. These days I'd say production. It's probably another reason for it to stand out because there's so many more, um, what's the word? I think we're taking such liberties in country production now that that will stand out. Um, and I think the best songs are the ones that are so simply written. Totally. But they say it so differently. Yes. Like Humble you know? and Kind? Yes. It's not a tongue twister, but it's, my dad always joked, he's like, I know those words. <laughs> I knew all of those words, but I didn't put them together that in you know that in, my, way. in that way. And I think that's the brilliance of some of those songs that I think. Oh. I agree with you. So simple, but so profound. Yeah, exactly. With yeah. a great melody. Yeah. Just and if you could have all those all the time. I, if I could just <laughs> fill up my inbox with those songs, that would I just I'd be a hero all the time. But I guess those are hard to come by, right? Lightning in a bottle. I know. I I know. Think, yeah. Do you have songwriters that you gravitate towards where you're like, okay, I hear this songwriter song, I know I'm probably at least going to like it. It might not be one that I probably use. No, no revelations here. I mean, anybody that's a hot songwriter in town, I mean, you can hear why they're so good. Mm -hmm. Josh Keir. Yeah. Um, Ashley Gorley, um, Nicole Clausen, Galleon. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rodney Clausen, that, mm -hmm. that, you know why they're so successful. Right. Um, but there's a new crop that I'm always kind of trying to get in. So you with are early on. So yeah. you try to study who's coming up. Well, Marin Morris, um, and kind of getting back to your point, and Carla Wallace and I are very close. She's her her publisher. Yes, at Big Yellow Dog, and um, sort of where the first rumblings of Marin. Um, she had signed Marin just straight out of Texas, and so um, I got to know Marin early on, and really tried to groom that and tried to sign her. But my bosses. Didn't want to sign her. So how does that make you feel? Because when you, another huge part of A and R Crappy. is discovering new <laughs> artists. Yeah. So and also it's so hard to have women, but there's a whole there's a whole revelation. A whole the woman show. the woman yeah. the woman wave is coming. I feel like it's happening. I hope so. So you see an artist like Mary Morris, you want to sign her. How do you know when you want to sign someone? And then what's that process like trying to sign them? And then to wrap up with what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, Marin uh, in particular because she was yet. I mean, I think she moved here knowing that she was definitely going to be a songwriter. And then the artist thing was, of course, people kept pushing her like, girl, you are so good. You have <laughs> got to maybe think about this artist thing. And in that time, I was talking to her thinking, okay, if any moment that she makes this decision, I'm here, we are hanging out, we are getting to know each other, building a relationship. She made that decision. I brought her in to the label and no one quite had the vision that I had. And so... Does that feel so defeating? It is defeating. And, um, you know, I have to have faith that 
she's going to end up where she needs to be, what everybody believes in right. her, right? And so everybody has this and shares the same passion. And so she got that where she is. So that's what that's what's great. Um, but it's still like it's every hard. time you're like, it's hard. Oh, you're I know. my baby. But I did my job. I brought her in. We could have had her. Um, you know, and, and it's a gamble every time. We don't. I know. We don't have a crystal ball. Kind of same. I thing brought in others that have failed too. Everyone turned Sam Hunt down, and then he yeah. ended up getting signed at UMG. Stephanie and Wright saw that and so brilliantly said, "This guy's a star," and he is clearly. When I first met him, I thought, "Oh my gosh, this guy!" And the music's so brilliant. And uh, nailed it. Was it. So different, though. Yeah. It's like he was too scary for people originally. I, I think, and there is this thing um, where you can't the, the X's and O's of it, where you can't figure out why it works for some and not for others. Right. Where that would be too scary for some people. For him, it just turns into like lemmings where you're just like, <laughs> follow Sam Hunt because he's so original. Yes. And so good. You yes. can't argue with how good he is. Truly. Yeah. And so that's why it works. How do you, okay, we kind of talked about this earlier. This is the frustrating part to me because everyone's talented in Nashville mm -hmm. and especially in A&R with all of your history. You know talent, and you know when you get ex excited about someone. So say, for instance, you sign two artists at the same time, and one really takes off. Mm -hmm. Like, one of my favorite artists of all time, Kelly Bannon, was signed with you guys for mm -hmm. a while, and mm -hmm. she had so much buzz, so but cool. radio just never really accepted her songs. But then, same like, John Party kind of comes around at the same time. So good, so talented, right. radio accepts him. Right. Why does that happen? Like, why can't someone get pushed through when they have the same support thing happening on the same label and everything's the same? We ask that all the time. Oh, it makes me, it's maddening. I know, and I think talent. obviously we'd all be geniuses if we knew <laughs> the answer to that because then we wouldn't let it happen again. Right. Um, <clears throat> I think part of this job is not to lose sight of the fact that these are people's lives and these are their dreams and you're sort of holding that in the palm of your hand so we joked earlier is that we never sign people without talent. Right. So <laughs> they're all clearly talented, um, and I don't know. They either the stars align for some and not for others because they're all, I feel particularly at Universal, getting just oodles amounts of attention and love That's and so great. TLC for what they need and to make their dream come true. And I don't know. Some take off and some don't, and it. I, the frustration on my end is so profound, I can only imagine how it feels for those artists that it doesn't work. And incidentally, one of those is Walker Hayes. And you know who, what? You have to have the persistence to keep coming because maybe it's the 20th it. time I know. that it works. I know. Talk to me about him, his story. He, he has like five kids. Six kids. Six kids. Six kids. Can you believe that? Oh, God, he's crazy um, for that. <laughs> I think he was ahead of his time. I think we all saw how just talk about talent I mean it just oozes from him mm -hmm. he's so musical um, so cute so cute precious his wife Lainey's adorable their kids the whole thing it was just this his music is lifestyle music I feel like what does he, that like, mean to me it feels like it's Dave Matthews it's Jack Johnson where you know oh, it's yeah. always going to be that same box of music yes but different every time yes where you just turn it on and you're like hands off right and he was doing that and I think we made a great record um, he also had this funny side where he would write, uh, you know, a love song about a pencil and you would start crying and you think, oh my God, how did he do that? And then he would write a song about pee in the pool, which we were just laughing just as hard. So maybe it was a children's album. I, you know, he certainly knows how to make them. Obviously. So maybe he should write for his children. Yeah. But he could do those two sides and I couldn't, I don't think he could figure out which one to go for. Okay. And so somehow he's now with the current single. I think sort of blended the two. Now, is he back with you guys? He's not. He's now on Monument. I was going to say, how sweet would that be to like oh, divorce and then remarry? 
It was like an amicable divorce. Well, it's so <laughs> rare that you actually get signed again I know. in this town. And so he's had a second shot, which is so great. Yeah. It is so exciting. And you know, sometimes, honestly, the stars just don't align. Like, mm -hmm. like you're saying, maybe the timing's not right. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're too creative and, or, or too clever for their own good or the I songs so. are too deep or yep. which sucks because I always hate it when like that song's just too complicated for the listener because it really does have to be well, spoon-fed, right? They were just sort of dumbing down and it doesn't say much for our listener <laughs> if they can't understand it but I think there is a fine line I mean our format has parameters mm -hmm. and I think at the time I mean honestly he was sort of doing dare I make the comparison but he was kind of doing a Sam Hunt mm -hmm. thing without the track and the slick part of Sam. Right. Um, where we were kind of like, whoa, 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 you do this. And he was like, well, I do that, but I also do this. And he eventually started going the other way, and we were we were still signed up for the other brand right. of music. All that to say that he took all this time and, you know, um, to now finally, and the format's changed. Yeah. The format has changed, and now he can do what he, clearly what he wants to write. And he never gave up, which is freaking awesome. And he awesome. never gave up. And, you know, and John Party, I think, you know, he kind of was coming out, um, at the time of Bro Country, um, and to his credit, he weathered the Bro Country storm. He did. And stayed true to who he is, which is honky-tonk country. He's so I good. I mean, just, yeah, modern-day honky-tonk. Do you think staying is. true to who you are ultimately pays off? Because sometimes there's a lot of pressure to mold. You can smell it a mile away. I think if you're just chasing a fame. Yeah. You know, if it's, you know, John's case, he was playing in bars at 14. Yeah. Um, this is, he moved here to do this, and you could just sense it. Like, this is the guy that's, whether he gets a deal or not, right? he's going to be playing for the rest of his life. So does A&R, like you as A&R, do you encourage your artists to stay true to themselves? Because sometimes in the label, it gets a little, uh, you kind of are encouraged to mold a little bit within other part departments of the label, you know? Um, How do you feel about that? You know, the styling of them, that stuff, I think they were pretty good at saying, okay, you, you want to wear a purple cowboy hat every day? Okay, let's talk about that. <laughs> um, okay, but that you're going to now be branded, that will be your thing, that's where, you know, because as we put you out there, this is it. This is what we're going to say about you. So we got to make sure that message is um, clear, it's them. You know, I don't know if we change people as much as we help them to realize that what we're doing is creating hopefully a long career and a part so of that. So you take their authenticity and then help expand it. Expand upon that maybe. Yeah. yeah. Fit into like something a little more, not polished, but like a little more accessible. I think so. I think when, you know, I signed Dirks a thousand years ago now, but he's still the same artist. So then that means that's him. That's him. Yeah. But musically, yeah. he has taken some slight detours to, ex to stretch, you know, you've got to kind of, I mean, as an artist, as you know, I'm sure, is do you kind of want to try different things? Yeah. So he's done that, but he hasn't gone too far. I mean, he's not doing EDM music, but <laughs> but he wants to kind of, you know, push his own boundaries a little bit. So yeah. But anybody that. that comes in that I think, hmm, you just you just want to be, you want to make videos, right? You want to this because it's really hard. It is like right? getting a record deal is actually the easiest part, right? That's probably the easiest <laughs> part. And actually, I think Sam. I'm quoting Sam in an article I didn't even read, but somebody had told me that he had said. That was the shock to the whole part of the business was how grueling it can be. So talk to me what yeah. it's like to be an artist out there because you have firsthand experience. It is grueling. Like, well, it's just, I always joke, some of my best friends are artists. So when we go to dinner, I'm talking about the people in my office and, you know, I've got all this stuff to talk about and all they want to talk about is they are their office. Oh, yes. They are their business. Yes. So it's a weird, and I have a lot more empathy because 
you're being told what your business is all the time. All the time. I can't imagine what that's And your business like. is yourself. Yeah, it's yourself. <laughs> I mean, I still have a buffer to all that because yeah. it's not really me. Right. But if you're the artist and you're being told oh, That's why all these artists are so emotional. <clears throat> it's so sensitive because it's kind And of, you build walls up of your own. Yeah. You know, and I think, too, with any amount of success, you start to, you start to push away. And that makes sense. Yeah, it you really have does. To. Everyone's like, "Oh, that artist is standoffish." It's like, no, twenty thousand people are trying to tell that guy all what to do all the, the time. time. And yeah. then there's the fame level of fame where everybody you know, wants you. Everybody wants you. And I look at, I was at the studio with Luke recently, and I thought he couldn't be more gracious and sweet and gave me a big bear hug. I get just as excited that, yeah. oh, he's still Luke. He's still the good old, you know, Luke from you know, yes. fifteen years ago. Um, I feel like country music does really well at everyone staying humble. Obviously, people become stars and life change. a little. You have to, like we're you saying. You have to. But for the most part, yeah, it's you're not going to get above your raisin. No. You know, it's it's that's the beauty of the this market. I think. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's good people. Do you have an artist experience that you saw them, signed them, grew them, had their album come out, and it was a perfect experience where you're like, this is everything I could have dreamed of as an A and R. Oh my gosh, Dirks. So he was your—he was perfect. He was—I mean, Explain really, you can't process. go back. He was my first baby. Oh, um, signed him, made the record, first single went to number one, and then it just never stopped. It just went. Oh, of course, then you expect every experience to be like right. that, and then it doesn't. <laughs> and you think, ooh, okay. Um, let me so try this again. So you brought Dirks in to sign. I did. <gasps> yep. How good does that feel? That one I can claim is solely my own. I re that really was like jumped up and down and said, "You have to give me this." Um, I've done that before in other cases, and it didn't pan out. But <laughs> Dirks has panned out. I got to be honest. But um, you know, Larry Willoughby and I. Oh yeah, I love Larry. Sweet Willoughby. Larry, um, who hired me at He's Capital. He's A and R Capital. Yep. You know, I interned at Capital when you were there. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, yes. I mean, just I've babies. just been following you around for we a long babies, time. I know, and here we are. This is so strange. <laughs> um, so proud of you. But uh, Larry and I co-signed really uh, Luke, and I think that one. Too, although it was a little, got a little kind of hazy there, and then he always had hit singles, but they never. Th we just knew there was more to him, and then he did right. that turnaround dance move of "Country Girls Shake It for Me." So once he busted out his moves, and then everything bam. changed. I, I remember texting. Was that the moment, the game changer, shaking it? I don't know if he would. I think several of us would say that was the moment. Um, that's when it went from fairs and festivals, and some definitely some headlining shows, but that's where we went. When he de when Boom. he debuted his dance moves, he went. What was the CMT Awards? And he did Country Girl, and those girls. And he did the dun 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 dun. And, <sighs> and he's so stinking cute when he does it. Cause shaking it. It doesn't feel like he would be someone that would just shake it all the time. But when he does it, you're like, Are you the cutest person in so the entire cute, world? So cute. And I think even guys have to go. All right, I get it. Because he's so like, cool. You yeah. can't be mad at him for shaking yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, and he's all boy. He's just all. <laughs> I love him. Sweet, adorable boy. Um, but yeah, I texted Carrie Edwards that night and just said, "Girl, this is it. This is it. This is the. It's happening. The moves are never going away." Yeah, and she was like, "It is." So, <laughs> yeah, that's so exciting. Yeah, that was probably those highlights. Yeah. So let's not talk about the failures. But I know, yeah. I know. I was going to say, is there anyone that bums you out? But then that'd probably be sad. To they all do. The ones that don't make it to that place. The, the Kelly Bannons. The because you come become friends and you want it for them as much, and you just think, and "Oh you know God, how I'm a failure." Yeah, it's like, why didn't we? Why didn't this happen um, for you? Um, and the thing you know, is, and that's several. There, it's that it's the journey for everyone because obviously someone as talented as like a Kelly Bannon, who didn't necessarily make it at that particular time in radio, it just makes you have to evolve into something else, you know. She's and to keep been the evolving. best at just picking up 
uh, by her bootstraps and sort of like rolling us into and she's so talented and she's so brilliant. So it has to hit. And she's, At some point she's, it will hit. She will hit. She will, she's going to continue making music. She's doing all these other little facets, all these different things in it's her career. It's going to show up. It That's what Rod Essig told me, uh, who runs CA. Obviously oh, yeah. you know that, but to everyone listening, he's like one of the biggest booking agencies. So he said, if you stick around and you have talent, eventually you will make it. I think he's right. Eventually. I it might take 20 years. There's no, I mean, Ronnie Dunn, it took him, I might tell he's 40. Uh, so. You know, of course, you tell somebody that's already left Nashville, but they're, you know, luggage and said, <laughs> it just never happened. I think we weren't here long enough. Exactly. Right? So they gave up. But, um, yeah, I think if, yeah, if you can just put it in. It's hard, though, right? It is. I mean, it's, it's, it's defeating in so many ways. It is. Particularly, I think, for the, a lot of those artists come in together with a whole other group of artists and they all kind of know each other right and, and then some know. start making it and others start dropping back yeah I know yeah there's a lot of that you too. don't want to compare but you can't help that's why you gotta have your blinders on right oh I guess yeah I mean you know I'm just hiding in my little office <laughs> at, at Universal so no one knows where I am Although most of us, I, we're actually uh, planning a reunion, a group of us, that we're in a pluggers group together, a song plugging group, where we were all pitching songs, and uh, we're all going to get together and just reminisce about what we're still in the business after all these years, you know, doing it together. So, what have you, we're going to wrap up soon, yeah. but what have you noticed as some of the biggest changes in the music industry over the past decade that stand out to you? Oh gosh, I think anybody would just, the streaming services and what's, that what that's done. Do you think that's going to turn around for the better eventually? Income revenue. I think so. I mean, I think in some ways um, where the, the single streams are, where album sales are down, the single streams are sort of picking up a little bit. And I think that's going to increase. The country formats always lags behind in those changes. Um, but I think we've all seen, kind of seen a significant, uh, or a significant increase in the last uh, year in particular. Um, where some artists aren't having incredible album sales, but they've had huge number ones with recurrents that right. are just still streaming out the wazoo. And so those, that, where we didn't have that before, right? You know, they may not be paying. Of course, the labels are making the money. The, the songwriters aren't. That's a whole other topic. I know. Gosh. Now the labels are. We're getting paid, but uh, that that's changing for us. Um, any other changes? You know, I think there's still ways now to become an artist. Um, you know, the whole notion of going to Spotify first. Like without a label? Without a label. Um, building there are. On, YouTube. There are YouTube. There's, you know, um, ways to build if you have the know-how and maybe some financing to figure that out. You don't, maybe don't need the major yeah. record label. It's true. You know. It can be done. It's been proven to be done in other ways. It now. has, yeah. I mean, yeah. look at it's Chance the Rapper, right? Yeah. So doing it without a label. Um, now, not to say everybody can do that, but yeah. <laughs> Once again, if the stars all align, it all works yep. out. So yep. much of it's timing and honestly, divine luck, obviously having yeah. the talent. Yeah, yeah, and having somebody that believes in you. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, there's several people at Spotify locally that um, are making careers because they're adding those artists to their playlisting and, you know, building fans. It's awesome. Isn't that crazy? But, you know, we didn't have that years ago. So. Yeah. Um, it was just the record label yeah. that could make you rich or famous, and now that's not true. So, yeah, those are probably the better changes for the artist, really. Right, right. Yeah. I and guess. really, in some ways, for us, because now it's sort of a research field mm -hmm. for us. So, if you're already out there, we can already kind of see if which songs are any. rising to the top, right? Which ones are getting listened to, right? Totally, totally. Yeah, and Sam, you know, Hunt um, had already been releasing so much music and was on the Spotify program before we signed him. So there was already a fan base there. That's awesome. There was already anticipation for him. So he used 
all that to his advantage. Yeah, and of course Spotify put him on that um, their sort of highlighted program. Yeah, and uh, of course here we are. Here we are, and here yeah. Sam is. Yeah, right. He's doing our stadium like our shows. Oh yeah, headlining huge tour. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I want to also ask you, how do you juggle motherhood, being a career woman, and motherhood? Because you have two adorable twins, how, and you make everything look so easy. You're so beautiful. You're so talented. God, you I juggle love you. it all. I'm so glad I came here today. Um, <laughs> but you're kicking ass in your work. Oh, it's takes you're a kicking village, ass, right? Raising family. How do you do it? How do you find balance? Well, I will say I don't work for monsters, and they are all family oriented themselves, and. Um, I think everybody realizes we're we these aren't real jobs. I mean, come on, <laughs> we're not you know out there roofing houses, which I think is an actual real job. <laughs> I can't imagine how difficult that is. Um, so we we do have the luxury of uh, you know if I need to do, rescue the kids from day camp, you know I can. But it's it's a it's a you know I have shows at night. My husband is taking over. We have a nanny. My parents are here. It's like anybody that's working. So it's a puzzle. Every, it's always every week diff different puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, but I do have such uh, empathy for people that are in positions of work that can't just, I'm sorry, I can't come in because my kids, blah, blah. It's, yeah. you know, like anybody. I'm no hero here, but, but you're kicking ass. You make it look easy. You do. Oh, well, it's just I'm exhausted all the time, though, right? <laughs> Actually, I had a show the other night, and I thought, okay, put the kids down, make dinner, put the, you know, it's, yeah, we're all doing it. So every second's full. Every, pretty much. Every pretty day. much, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, hey, husband, okay, I'm going to bed now. Your husband, though, is so funny. You guys are so cute together. No, you're sweet. He's he's a riot. He is. Do y'all just laugh all the time? We're, yeah. I think I'm funnier, but actually, no. He, you're hysterical, no, too. He's funny. <laughs> and y'all's kids. I saw one Instagram video or something where they were doing a whole show and outfits, singing with microphones. Like wonder in the where bed. they get that. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about singing. They're into making up jokes now, which make no sense. And we all have to fake lie. Like, oh, that's hilarious. They make no sense. <laughs> But they get the art of the joke, which I think is hilarious, that they understand, like, they'll say, Mommy, why did the mailbox run away from the car? And they're like, why did the mailbox run away from the car? And then they say something that's like, yeah, that, okay. I, okay. So yeah, my, These are four-year-old jokes, right. people, but yeah. Yeah. But my niece was <laughs> making up that. jokes with no sense at all, and I was like, the but joke it's so was smart. there. It's so yeah. smart, I think. It is get smart. the humor. Yes. Yeah. How old is she? She's six. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's only got to go up from here, right? Right, We're actually totally. going to say something really clever and funny one day. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and my okay. husband's encouraging it, so. Well, with yeah. y'all's, he's a host, and he's hysterical, and yeah. you're hysterical and talented, so you're bound to have some crazy, talented kids it's, coming well, up. We're just trying to keep up with them. Yeah, it's been fun. So I'd like to wrap up with Leave Your Light. So leave oh. some inspiration of how you have been inspired or how you would like to inspire people. Oh, my gosh. From all that you've seen and lived in uh, your life. Oh my. Well, I think we sort of touched on it maybe, but um, I just think you can't let it go to your head. I think it's just these, it's not, we're not saving lives. I mean, I have friends with real Music jobs. Music does save lives. It does save lives. Well, I guess, you know, it all speaks to us in different ways. Right. But, um, and I'm more than thankful for it. It's been, a, my, my mom used to joke that if, school had been set to music, I would have made straight A's, but um, <laughs> that's just been my thing. But um, yeah, I just think, you know, uh, don't burn those bridges. Be nice. That's, it's really... I love that. Not more, and be on time. Yeah. That's, if you can just be on time, then the rest of the day should be pretty easy after that. <laughs> yeah. I'm more amazed than ever the people that just can't keep... You probably work with a lot of them. 
the creative, that creative type. They I don't. Know. They don't it, always follow the I'm time. Was it ten? It's weird because my watch is ten twenty. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Right. <laughs> but I don't know how inspiring that is. But just in my. I, know, I love that. In my little world, those are the kind of the things that I think. Oh, that really makes a difference. Yeah. You know, those uh -huh. are those first impressions. Yeah. Autumn, you're amazing. Thank you. It's so fun. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh my me. God. More about me. We're done. The ledge. I know. I would talk forever. <laughs> I really would. This is a hoot. You have adorable. so much to talk about. Yeah, I know. I think I was talking so fast in the beginning. I hope if anyone's slow it down, really, just to get kind of. There's just so much information. Yeah, so you are a wealth of knowledge. Like you're. Well, from I'm a hundred. That's why I can. I have a lot to reflect on. You yeah. are not a hundred. I'll come back and read my journal next time. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thank you all so much for joining me today on Hyperkillian Hobby Podcast with the amazing, talented Autumn House. Was Autumn not fascinating? I love Autumn. Her story is amazing and her job is amazing. It is such a behind the scenes job that is so crucial to artists and the discovery of new artists and she is just phenomenal. I loved that interview. Next week, you guys, I have the hottest celebrity interior designer joining me, April Tomlin. She has done houses. She's done houses from Jason Aldean to Florida Georgia Line. She does everyone's house and her style is amazing and she talks all about her life her journey what it's like to be a celebrity in interior design and all of the parts that go with it cannot wait for y'all to hear april tomlin next week make sure to subscribe see you then bye